0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Ball Spot Podcast. I am your host, Philip. I am the only voice you will be hearing for the next uh, however long you decide to tune in. Please be gracious enough to listen (laughs) because I got a cool topic today. That's right, a cool topic. Um, It's about the NBA Awards. Uh, You know, I had the brilliant idea. I was like, you know what, I'm going to be the first person to ever record a podcast about his predictions for or not predictions his uh vote his ballot for who should win all the nba nba awards and all the voting stuff i thought yeah i'm gonna be the first person to ever do that and i was like you know what that's boring that's been done uh a billion times before why not do something cool and new I'm giving myself too much credit. It's really not that interesting. What I'm doing here is I'm just comparing my ballot to what was the actual ballot and agree and disagree. I feel like that's a little easier for us to run through. Um, overall, I thought a lot of the awards were uh, in line with mine. You know, where you start doing the uh, the teams, the, the all-NBA teams especially, is where it start to get lost a little bit. But... Um, yeah, overall, they, they ended up being pretty good. The main awards, I was pretty uh in line with for one of the first times where I'm in line with almost all the main awards. There's one that I'll disagree with. We'll get to that. But yeah, why not start it with the MVP award ballot? The MVP award, obviously, everyone knows, went to Nikola Jokic. Uh, the actual, I'm going to go through the whole ballots and compare mine. The actual MVP ballot was Nikola Jokic first, Joel Embiid second, Steph Curry three, Giannis Antetokounmpo four, Chris Paul five. And I have one big discrepancy there. Uh, my ballot, similar top three. Uh, my order was Jokic, Curry, Embiid. I had Curry second, Jokic third, Giannis fourth as well. And my fifth was not Chris Paul. That's where they lost me big time, uh, you know, the uh, quote-unquote narrative stuff is where um, Chris Paul won out a lot, but we'll, we'll get there. I mean, Jokic was an easy pick. Uh, pretty much, statistically, was far and away number one. Rano was far away number one in, in the, most of the, uh, the catch-alls and the advanced stats. And as Zach Lowe would say, your Vorps and your Morps and your Schwarps. Uh, far and away number one in Raptors. uh Raptor War and number one uh, EPM, BPM, VORP, all that stuff is far and away number one. Jokic totally deserved it. Uh, What's not talked about, I think, enough with him is the insane efficiency that he was doing as the primary option, putting up 26, 11, and 8, shooting 60% on twos. That's 60% on two-pointers, 39% on threes, 87% from the line. It's just unreal efficiency. Uh, I think the only guy that had him on the tier with him, even if I could label it as the same tier as Steph Curry, um, it. I think mo- most of the people that are making the debate for Curry to win MVP was kind of the uh, comparing how he's the only good player on his team and how he's carrying the team, but that doesn't really make a fair argument to Jokic in my opinion. Uh, to handicap him by saying he has better teammates, that doesn't. It's not his fault. It's, it's not the fault of Jokic. That his team is the surrounding cast is better than Curry's. So I don't think he should get punished for that. Um Yeah, I, I was not it's not an unpopular opinion, but I had Curry second comparison to Joel Embiid. Um, Embiid well, I th- I think it's close. I think I think it was close. I for me personally, I had Embiid as probably the minute per minute MVP in the NBA. I think he just missed too much time with that back injury. Um to to really you know games played does matter. That that does it sucks that you're you're again handicapping him because he had to play long, but that does matter in talks of most valuable player. Playtime is a big you you can't be valuable if you're not playing. That's that's a big portion of the value. So I had to give it to him. Curry this season was just unreal, though. I mean, I need to highlight Curry. I'm always a, I'm a Curry apologist. I, I, it's hard for me to criticize the guy based on anything he does because everything he does is just so spectacular. This season especially. I mean, Curry this season shot 13 threes per 75 possessions, which is Easily the highest mark of his career. That's more than 2016 season. That's more than last season. That's the highest of his career. So finally, he gets that volume. People always come, not always, but it was a little bit of a criticism was he's obviously insanely efficient, but uh, he's being held back a little bit. He doesn't really shoot as a first option, especially in those Durant years where he was kind of seen as the second option. Uh, his per game, 32 points per game, ended up being the scoring leader in the NBA. What's impressive is the shooting splits that he's doing that on. 57% on twos for a, a 6'2", unathletic, or unathletic by NBA standards guard. 57% on twos, 42% on threes, on 13 per 75 possessions, shooting 42%. That's insane. That is ridiculous efficiency for that volume. from the line, the best free throw shooter in NBA history. Uh, Curry was just insane this year. That last month of the season was just a marvel. It didn't make sense. It was stupid. It was not things that human beings should be able to do on a basketball court. And Steph Curry did it because why not? He's one of the best players in NBA history. At this point, are we shocked? People kept saying, let's see if he could do this without Durant, without Clay." without a good team he did it you know his team was is what failed him at the end it was the the Warriors not making the playoffs was no fault of Curry's he was otherworldly and I think the team position is a big reason why he didn't end up being MVP you know if, if his if Curry was doing this and he dragged that roster to a four seed I feel like he would have gotten a lot of votes I think I still think it probably would have been at uh Jokic for me uh but I think there's a realistic chance Curry could have won if his team supporting cast was a little bit better. But nonetheless, it obviously wasn't better because that supporting cast was pretty subpar in in standards to what we expect with the Warriors, at least. I mean, that offense alone was 15 points better per 100 possessions when Curry was on the floor. That's not the net rating. That's the offense. The offensive rating of the Warriors drops by 15 points per 100 possessions when Curry is not on the floor. That is just an insane difference in... uh, in offensive efficiency, it's clear that the, the team was lost on offense without him. I mean, you're looking for shot creation from Jordan Poole and Kent Bazemore, Kelly Oubre when Curry wasn't on the floor. That's just not going to, that's not really not going to make that much of a difference for that team. So, yeah, I had Jokic 1, Curry 2, Embiid 3, Embiid, I should probably go over. I mean, his, like I said, he only played 51 games. He might be my possession by possession, or mi- per minute, per whatever, MVP. If he played uh, the adequate amount of games, you know, if he played a full season, he'll consider miss a game. That's definitely in his favor. Embiid was, he had career highs in every, uh, on his percentages on every, you know, two-pointers, three-pointers, free throw percentage, all career highs for him. His efficiencies up on a uh, higher volume at, He's he's improving every year, and he's already proven that he's one of the best players in the NBA already. You saw from these p- playoffs, you know, despite his team uh, getting eliminated before the conference finals, that wasn't a fault to his. I mean, the team just implodes when Embiid is not on the floor. He's firmly putting himself into that conversation as one of the five best players in the NBA right now, which, in the depth that it is right now, is is a ridiculous feat. He was number three. Giannis was pretty firmly at number four. Uh, I mean, I don't really need to go too much into him. I'll probably explain a little bit more in the uh, All-NBA ratings. He was my fourth. He's probably everyone's fourth at this point. And number five is where I really, really lost me. Chris Paul at number five in MVP voting. I get the Suns were the second seed, but I feel like they're attributing too much to Chris Paul instead of just the team overall improving. I mean, there's a huge jump in DeAndre Ayton and Macal Bridges' uh, performance. Uh, they're, how good they are as players. They they both became much better players this year than they were last year. Devin Booker's improved. They've uh, added a better supporting cast around the team. I can't. Too many people are looking at the roster saying, "Hey, the the biggest change between last year and this year." With the Suns was Chris Paul, so therefore Chris Paul is the MVP. F- bring voting him as number one for MVP is 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 stupid. It's dumb. It, it's so, it's very uninformed. It's it's a giveaway. It's a pretty clear giveaway that you don't watch. You haven't watched the Suns last year, and you don't watch enough of basketball this year to to make. And I hate to be that guy. I hate to be you don't watch watch more basketball. The film says he's not the MVP. The statistics say he's not the MVP. And people who are informed on the topic of basketball say he's not the MVP. Putting him even fifth, I think, is a massive stretch. Putting people putting him as number one is just ridiculous. I think it's that's so uninformed and counterproductive to what uh, we actually are meant to vote for. Thankfully, most respectable uh Ballot holders didn't actually vote him. He made his way to number five, which I thought was a stretch. My number five pick was between three guys, none of which have the initials CP. Uh, none of them are Suns players. My three fighting for that last spot were Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, and Rudy Gobert. And <laughs> this, I know, I know the subject of Rudy Gobert is very touchy since the playoffs. But ultimately, and it's not. I understand it's not popular. I ended up going with Gobert as my last MVP choice. Um, and I'll, let me explain myself. I know it hasn't aged well, and bear with me because this is based on the regular season. If we're talking about value that a player adds to their team. I think Rudy Gobert is amongst was amongst the top five in the league last year. It's you know it's and it's close. It's, I'm not. It's very close. I think uh, Doncic and Willard are scarily close to each other in terms of uh, how I rank them. And it, it was very hard having to choose one of them for the All NBA first team. Both those guys are insanely good and insanely valuable to the team, especially. Considering both those teams are offensive engines, it was hard for me to to have to uh, make this decision. But I went with Embiid because he is he is that anchor on a defense on the third best defense in the league, and he's far and away the reason why that defense is so sufficient. I mean they they guard the perimeter well, and they have to rely so much on uh, Rudy Gobert to fill in that role in the middle to stop shots at the rim. I mean, they're so good at guarding on the rim. He's the best rim protector in the league, far and away, number one. And he's he's broken all of these records, these statistical records as a defender this year. Uh, it's no surprise he's my defensive player of the year, too. It's pretty obvious if, if he's number five of my MVP valid. The Jazz were the best team in the league this year. And Rudy Gobert was the best player on the best team in the league this year some people not in the, pile, in the regular season he was in the regular season that's that was the case for me Um uh, that's my mvp val- ballot uh number one Jokic. number two curry number three Embiid. number four yannis and number five gobert and please feel free to rip me to shreds on the gobert thing i'm cool with it i'll live um my all nba teams uh, I think it's easier to go by position just because it's split by position so rather than going uh all first team all second team all third team and go all first team guards all second team guards all third team guards and then do that with the forwards and the centers and yeah that's that's the easiest for me um the actual ballot for the all NBA teams for the guards first team Curry and Luca second team Lillard and Paul third team Irving and Beale um my. Ballot that I don't actually have. First team guards Curry and Lillard. Second team Luca and Kyrie. Third team CP3 and Trey Young. And I need to I need to clarify this too. That these were my picks before the playoffs started. These are my just solely based on the regular season. And I'm a Trey Young truther throughout that. I don't for the All-Star team despite most not, I had him for, uh, despite him not making it. and I had him on the All-NBA team despite him also not making that, um, should I, I, I have, I have my cuts, uh, some guys that I didn't have making it that I just want to go over before, um, Donovan Mitchell, Bradley Beal, Ben Simmons, Zach Levine, Devin Booker, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, all those guys were in conversation. Um, not going to get into too much detail about the cuts. Devin Booker was the closest one. It's between him and Trey Young for that last spot. Ended up going with Trey. A little bit in favor of Trey. Uh, we'll get to that. My first team guys, though, Curry, obviously, uh, I just went in about everything between, uh, for MVPs, obviously my first team slot. The second one, like I said, was between Doncic and Lillard. It was super, super close. Um, I ended up going with Lillard. A lot of it uh, depends on what you value more, playmaking or shooting. You know, If you're more of a playmaking guy, uh, you might go with Doncic, which is what the NBA ended up actually going with, or the voters ended up going with. Uh, if you're a shooting guy, you might go with Lillard. Very, very close. Uh, both of them, the advanced numbers are super, super close between them. Uh, I ended up going with Lillard because last year, uh, a big thing with Dodgers was he was the driving force of the best offense in, uh, the NBA, you know, the best offensive rating in NBA history, not in relativity, but just in overall, uh, offensive rating He the best offensive rating in the NBA history last year. That was, uh, that was a big reason why he was, you know, as, as touted as he was last season. This year, the Trailblazers have the second best offensive rating in the entire league, and a huge attribution at attribute it. I <laughs> attribute it mostly to to Willard. You know, he's obviously the driving force of that offense. Uh, but again, all the advanced stats point that it's it's a very very tight race. You're not wrong with either one. Uh, you could argue either one, and depending on what the weather is that day, I might change my mind. You know, it, it's that close. So. Don't yell at me. Don't scream at me. Uh, I'm actually shocked that I ended up going with Lillard because I was looking more into the numbers and I I ended up changing my mind because I thought it was Luca originally, but uh, I ended up going with Lillard. Uh, The next guy on my second team is where most people would be like, Oh, it's C P three and listen to me, I have to defend myself. I have time and time been a massive supporter of Chris Paul, the basketball player. He is one of my favorite players. I still think he's probably the third or fourth best point guard in NBA history. It's what he's doing in the playoffs right now, how his he's two wins away as I'm recording this from the NBA finals. It is without even playing in the Conference Finals, too. But what he's been doing all year is is amazing. I cannot tell him enough. He's uh, one of the best players, one of the 50 best players in NBA history easily. That's not the point here. This season, I think he's been overrated a little bit by some of the talking heads more of a legacy thing it's kind of the legacy of Chris Paul is finally catching up to him people have disgraced him throughout his entire career saying he's not a winning player and you know he can't do this in the playoffs he's not he's always been one of the most clutch players in NBA history has always been he's a winner he's a winning basketball player it's been proven you can check his track record he doesn't want a championship but as far as winning basketball games it's never been a fault of his own that he has not been winning basketball games with that being said, I thought instead of the debate between Kyrie and CP3, I thought it was more of a debate between Kyrie and Lillard and Doncic. I think Kyrie was a tier above Chris Paul this year. Um, many will probably quibble that the offense isn't necessarily good because of Irving, uh, because of Kyrie Irving. You know, that team's offense was number one in the league. Uh, breaking grounds is one of the best offenses in NBA history in relativity to the league obviously when you have Kyrie Irving, James Harden and Kevin Rant, your offense is going to be and even Joe Harris who's in you know had one of the best shooting seasons of all time that's that's obviously it's obvious that it's going to be a good offense but looking more into the numbers is where things start to get increasingly increasingly favorable for Kyrie Irving because people are going to say the Nets, they, they had the best offensive rating in the league, 117.3. That's, that's the number you want to think about right here because it matters. 117.3 was the best offensive rating in the league this year by the Brooklyn Nets. With Kyrie on the court, that offensive rating jumps to 121.3. Just with Kyrie on, it becomes way better than what was already the best offensive rating in the NBA. If you're not impressed yet, hold on to your boots because I got a number that will really blow you off your seat. When Kyrie Irving is on and Kevin Durant and James Harden are both off, let me repeat that, Kyrie on, Harden and Durant both off the court. That offensive rating of the Brooklyn Nets is 119.9. Let me repeat that. 117.3 was the best offensive rating in the league, and that was by the Brooklyn Nets. With Kyrie on, Durant off, Harden off, that offensive rating is over two points better per 100 possessions. Kyrie Irving is an offensive enigma, and it's he's constantly been underrated. I mean, one of the best finishers for his size. Oh, uh, historically great catch-and-shoot three-point shooter uh, could create his own shot better than 99 percent of NBA players Kyrie Irving is been underrated consistently throughout this season you know realistically I think the only actual like debate between Kyrie Irving and Chris Paul was the games played it's 54 for Kyrie, 70 for Chris Paul. You know, I give him that. It's uh, that, that was really the only debate. And realistically, I thought overall, I thought Kyrie everyone was just the better player this year. And those last two spots on the on uh, NBA third team were between the three guys I mentioned: Chris Paul, Trey Young, uh, Devin Booker. And obviously, you guys know I picked, ended up picking, uh, De, uh, ended up cutting Devin Booker for the two. Uh Chris Paul was my first selection for the for that team. Mostly because he it defensively is more impressive than the other two. Uh you know, not quite the scoring uh the same level of scoring for uh Chris Paul, but uh a superior playmaker to Devin Booker, a much better defender than than Booker and uh Trey Young I, the impact numbers I, I, I just thought you know that's the spot he deserved he deserved that all NBA 13 that's that's where I felt very very comfortable putting Chris Paul and the last the, the last two spot was a real fight between Trey Young and, and Devin Booker uh you know it, it, it depends on what you again what you really go for here I just looked at the numbers Trey Young was a better playmaker than Booker Um, pretty much on identical usage and efficiency, almost identical scoring rates, you know, if, if we're comparing usage, scoring rates, efficiency, and they're all pretty much exactly the same, and Trae Young has a big, uh, step up in efficiency, or, sorry, in playmaking, I, I think that's where, you know, I have to lean Trae Young for the, for the last spot, it's just... It's very, very close, and I feel bad because Devin Booker had a fantastic year. Always a big supporter of Devin Booker. Uh, Always thought he was capable of being the guy that he is right now. Uh, Never was on that boat that he's an empty stats kind of guy. Always knew he had this ability uh, to be a very impactful player uh, if given the correct supporting cast, and we see that right now with the Suns being just two wins away from the finals. Super impressed with Devin Booker. Uh, so, but ultimately, I just, it's tough. It really is tough. You have six guards. And right now, I, I listed out Donovan Mitchell, didn't even get a mention. Ben Simmons, who, again, playoffs aside, had a fantastic uh, regular season. Uh, what are the other guys? Zach Levine was great. Insane step up this year. Bradley Beal, who ended up making the team. He wasn't on my ballot, but he was very, very close. James Harden would have ulti- it's 100% would have been that guy on uh, one of the teams. Probably would have bounced Trey if not for games played. Uh, Russell Westbrook, I was not nearly as high on him. But, you know, he was... Uh, he, even he is a guy that has to be mentioned up here, it's hard. Only six guys get it, so Devin Booker was my last cut. He ended up getting cut from the real team, too, as did Trey Young. And you can see both those guys being... Uh, the best player on their respective team in the conference finals right now, it's, you know, maybe people have some regrets. And it's about the regular season, but looking back, you know, people might have some regrets. Uh, Now for the forwards. The actual forwards ended up being voted on to the All-NBA teams. The first team was... Kawhi Leonard, Giannis Tennecumpo, Second team, LeBron James, Julius Randle. Third team, Paul George and Jimmy Butler. Now, bear with me here, because my first team centers are Giannis Tenecumpo and Joel Embiid. Now, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Joel Embiid is not a forward, has played approximately zero minutes in this career at forward, or 0 minutes this season at forward. But as far as eligibility went on these ballots, he and Jokic were both eligible as forwards. And that sounds stupid, and it is pretty stupid considering neither of them played power forward or forward at all. They were center exclusively. Because he was eligible, I worried more about making the making these teams have as much of the best guys as possible that was my goal I'm going to arrange them based on eligibility as much as possible the the five best players I can on the all-nba first team the next five best players I can on the second team and so and keep going for the third team that was my goal and Joel Embiid was one of the five best players in the NBA and because there's only one slot for center, it's kind of stupid that because he's arguably, as far as MVP voting goes, he was the second best player in the league this year. He's not on the All-NBA first team. It's, you know, it's kind of insulting to him. And I think it's best to try to fit him, contort these teams to try to get him on. Honestly, it should be positionless. You know, it should be the five top five MVP voting is All-NBA First Team, and the next five guys are Second Team, and the next five guys are Third Team, regardless of position. That could be five centers if the five best players in the league are centers. That's how it should be. Um, you know, historically, you have some stupid... Not stupid, but looking back, things don't make sense. Like, for instance, the fact that Patrick Ewing and DeAndre Jordan both have the same amount of All-NBA First Team nods. DeAndre Jordan has—that's crazy. Look at it. DeAndre Jordan was an All NBA first team center, and this year Joel Embiid was an All NBA second team center. Back in 2015, I should say DeAndre Jordan was. It—it's it, crazy to think that you know, that at this point they both have the same amount of All NBA center nods. And looking back at their looking at their careers, they're not even close to being the same player. It's—it's it's pretty ridiculous to me. So, sorry about ranting there, but I think. Uh, It should be based on the five best players. And Joel Amid was certainly one of those five best players. So, that was him. Giannis, he he was the easiest pick as the first quote-unquote real forward. Uh, Giannis had a pretty underrated season in comparison to, you know, what was going on in the league. I had him fourth on my MVP ballot. He was fourth on the the actual MVP uh, voting. You know, his season was a little underrated. You know, it, it wasn't... Quite that MVP level as he was last two seasons, but was not far off at all. It's in the same tier. Just the the three guys I had that were above him were just that, you know, exemplary. That they were, it it was it kind of pales in comparison. There sure there was voting fatigue a little bit, but I don't think that's the reason why he didn't win MVP this year. Uh, Quietly, this might have been Giannis's best season as a a rim attacker in his career. Uh, I was looking at the numbers and. This season, Giannis at the rim shot 83.7%. 83% within the restricted area, which is insanely efficient. You know, just for reference, that's four whole percentage points higher than LeBron's most efficient season back in Miami. That's when LeBron was Thanos at the rim. He was, it was no chance you could, you know, once he was putting his head down and, and driving towards the basket, you couldn't stop him. Giannis has four whole percentage points higher, which is the best, again, the best of his entire career. Uh, super impressed with him. You know, it's, I, I thought. It's an underrated season for for Giannis. Just because he wasn't the MVP, he is definitely on par with his uh, MVP seasons that we saw the last two years. Um, my next two slots, uh, you know, the actual first team uh, forward was Kawhi and Giannis. And I ended up having Kawhi on my second team. Uh, and I paired him up with a guy who some people thought that shouldn't have been on all NBA teams at all, which I think is... Which is just insane to think, considering the season he just had, is Jimmy Butler. So my my second team forwards, Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler. Uh, Just to touch up on Jimmy Butler. Because, again, I know he had a disappointing playoffs. Uh, People are, you know, they're they're really on his case about it. And they're almost omitting what happened last playoffs when he was the best player on a team that was in the NBA Finals, it's strange to see... It's really not strange, because NBA f- fans are so quick to turn on players and so f- quick to forget what they said about them just months ago. Uh, the the vast majority of... Not vast majority, but vast amounts of NBA fans completely one-ating on Jimmy Butler... And labeling him a fraud, they're saying he shouldn't have been on all any of the All NBA teams this year, which is just if that's the that the if that's the thought process, you just need a reality check at this point. That's just it's just clear to to see that someone who thinks that is not really looking into the numbers that much because he's a hundred percent on the All NBA teams. I thought it was crazy that he was the last choice for of a, a slot as a forward on the All NBA teams. But regardless, Jimmy Butler's regular season was fantastic this year. The Heat were thirty-three and nineteen in games that Jimmy Butler ended up playing. That's a 63% win percentage, which is a better record, better team record than Tatum or Randall. So yeah, that that's the guy who people thought Tatum should have been on in front of Jimmy Butler. But better win percentage than Tatum or Randall, and that's the thing that the he, Jimmy Butler was criticized for is the Heat don't have a good record. Well, news hate to break it to you, hate to be the bearer of bad news for your agenda, but when games that he actually played, the Heat were really good. The offense, the uh, the then all the advanced numbers point that. He He's 100% that guy. Higher VORP, BPM, EPN, Raptor War, win shares per 40, on-off net rating, true shooting percentage, all better than Paul George, Jason Tatum, Julius Randle, and Zion, if you minus the true shooting for Zion. But other than that, higher VORP, BPM, EPN, Raptor War, win shares per 40, on-off net rating, true shooting percentage, than all those guys. Not in one category, and not it just all those categories against one guy. All those categories against all those guys minus Zion with the true shooting. It's, I, I, okay, it's, it's come on. It's no coincidence that he's, he's higher than all those guys and all that stuff. And it's not just the um, the numbers. I know some people are rolling their eyes hearing the, the vorps and the schmorps and the morps. Uh, Butler was the best defender out of that entire group, too. He was one of the best defenders in the league all season. You know, he was an insanely good playmaker for his position. Over 7 assists per game for him. Gets to the line very, very well. Shot 72% at the rim, which is insanely good for, you know, a 6'6 guard forward. Uh, It's an underrated season for Jimmy Butler. It's a sin to insist that he's not... You know, it's it's uh, unwarranted for him to be on this team. He had a fantastic season. I think he 100% deserves this all-NBA second-team nod. That's it for me. Uh, only, I think his only omission as, you know, the only negatives here are he only played 52 games. Ka- but Kawhi played 54, and he was on the All-NBA first team. So I don't think that's that much of a thing. And, you know, Jimmy Butler's shooting from outside the arc is is not uh, the the best. But other than that, I thought he's uh, easy nod for second team. Kawhi Leonard was my other guy in the second team. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, he was the guy that was on par with his advanced stats with Jimmy Butler. He had a fantastic season, too. Again, he only played 54 games. But clearly that didn't affect voters, considering he ended up making the All-NBA team. Uh All-NBA first team. Another thing, too, with him is... Uh, I was talking at, about Jimmy Butler shooting at the rim. But uh, unbeknownst, Kawhi Leonard is even more impressive shooting at the rim. Uh, I said, what was it, 72% at the rim for Jimmy Butler... Kawhi Leonard is at 77.5% at the rim this year, just insanely efficient, Uh, definitely the best player on the best shooting team in NBA history, question mark, in the regular season. Uh, All indicators pretty much lean towards that being the case. But that's not even like the important part here. I mean, it's, I'm talking about him having similar numbers finishing at the rim to prime LeBron James. You know, and it's something that's not really highlighted enough, I don't think. Uh, But Kyle Liner was easy. Jimmy Butler was easy. Those guys were two very easy spots for my second team. My third team, the last two slots came down to Tatum, Zion, Randall, LeBron, and Paul George. And it was hard because, you know, it's, what, five five names in that list, uh... I had to start getting picky, okay? My first omission was, ended up being LeBron. Uh, LeBron, similarly to a lot of players this year, uh, minutes is what hurt him, or minutes, games, all that stuff. Uh, he was my first omission. I mean, it was, he, he barely played above half the season this year. It, it's Fantastic year, was on the MVP uh, ladder, whatever you call it, He's was on everyone's MVP radar prior to the injuries, that ankle injury, uh, one of the most impactful players, ended up making the All-NBA second team, which I'm shocked, considering he only played 47 games this year, uh, he was my first one, if he played more, he definitely would have a spot, I mean, LeBron's always a mainstay, a first-team mainstay, second-team mainstay, uh, he should have. He would have been there if he played more, but he didn't. So he was my first omission. So then it narrows it down to Tatum, Zion, Randall, and Paul George. Um, my first sec- my first selection for the third team ended up being Paul George, and I chose him because uh, mostly two things: the defense and him being the driving force of the best regular season shooting team in NBA history. I just talked about that with Kawhi Leonard. Paul George was uh, a part of that too. And very efficient uh, as a shooter, great defender. He was my pick for second for third team. Uh, you know some of the advanced stats they uh, they favor George over Randall, Zion, and Tatum, especially EPM and Raptor War. Uh, those stats loved Paul George uh, at least, definitely way more than they did Randall, Zion, or Tatum. So, he, he, was, he was my pick. Uh, my next guy ended up, and then I thought uh, I should omit another player here. And the second guy, the, and then, you know, of course, I have one spot for three guys. Tatum, Randall, and Zion. I said, you know what, I'm going to narrow out another guy. Ended up being Jason Tatum. Uh, I hate to do it because he had a fantastic year. Uh, but with the time missed, I know a lot of it wasn't his fault with COVID, but still, it, it matters. At least the COVID stuff doesn't. Um as much, you know, it's, it sucks that I have to punish, it has, someone has to be punished for that, it's, but, he he had a fantastic year, especially towards the end, it took a little while for him to pick up, you know, for the first, at least until All-Star game, I thought Jalen Brown was the better of the two, um, but he ended up picking up, especially late, you know, he had those 50-point games, uh, he had a great season. But ultimately, you know, someone has to get uh, cut from these. And then, so it ended up being between Randall and Zion. Um, Randall ended up making the second team. Zion didn't make any. I picked Zion Williamson as my third team guy. And here's why. Um, I, I see why Randall's gotten a lot of love. Uh, it's not unwarranted, I wouldn't say, but I think it's a little exaggerated, right? Uh, Randall, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to zoom out of this real quick and just look at how voters perceive this rather than looking at record or, uh, net ratings or any of that stuff. A lot of times they just look at seating, right? If he's a four seater higher, that's a good thing. All that stuff. The Knicks were the were the fourth placed team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, no one expected them, other than the very passionate Knicks fans, to be this good. But it was a shock to us, as fans, as watchers. You know, I thought they were going to be a terrible team. They ended up exceeding expectations expeditiously. They're way, way better than I thought they could possibly be. That's all great, but in relativity. As a regular season team, they weren't anything insanely good. You know, they're a little above 500. Well, actually, it's, that's not fair to him. They're actually 10 games above 500, so that's that's good. 50-whatever win percentage, 57% win percentage. Tied with the Hawks, so they were tied for the four seed. That's not really looked at. They won a tiebreaker. Uh, only one game above the Heat, too. So, you know, Randall gets all this love, and uh, Butler's getting criticized, but... They were only one game above five hundred, better than the Heat, and that's even with the Heat missing a lot of time with uh, Butler, and Butler ended up having a much better record when he played than uh, than Julius Randle, nonetheless. the, The reason why the Knicks were good this year was not because of their offense. It was their defense, you know? Randle gets a lot of credit for the Knicks' success, but the team was built on their defense. And yes, his defense was good this year, but it wasn't the reason the Knicks were a four seed. You know, they were the twenty second best offense in the NBA this past regular season, and which is nothing to be overly proud about. It's nothing. That's nothing crazy. It's it's bad. It's in the bottom third of the league. So people talking about Randall, and I think you know he had a fantastic season. I don't want to discredit him. Uh, I'll t- definitely talk about him a lot in the Most Improved, which he ended up winning and deservingly so. Uh, I think too much is too many eggs are put in the basket of the Knicks being good because of Julius Randle. Uh, again, great defense too. Definitely, very, very much improved on that uh, facet. But he is not the sole reason why the, the Knicks were a good regular season team. It was their team defense. That was the driving factor of why the Knicks were good. And you could see where the, the flukiness of Randall uh, was hurt during the playoffs because his offense was, the, or the Knicks' offense was terrible. And it's the reason why they had the gentleman sweep by Atlanta. Um, talking about Zion, the guy I actually had on my uh, uh, NBA third team, Zion averaged 29, 8, and 4. 36 65% true shooting, uh, almost 10 percentage points higher than Randall, who is sitting at like you know, league average. But Zion was way above league average, uh, shot 70% in the restricted zone. You know, fantastic finishing, which you expect. Uh, both these guys ended up boosting up their playmaking. Obviously, Randall a little bit more, uh, but point Zion was unlocked in the second half of the season, and that's where he actually started becoming a playmaker, averaging about four again, four assists per 36. Uh, Both those players were, again, in my most improved, uh, you know, ballot as well. This is spoiler, but they were both on my top three for most improved. Uh, Both had fantastic years, but I ultimately ended up choosing Zion. You know, I, I thought, I just thought that Randall on the third team was a little... Is a little much. It was a little much. I think he had a great season, but I expect him to be on the third seed the way people were talking about him this year. They're talking about having him on MVP ballot, which that, that's where you start, you know, making me chuckle a little bit. That's that's a little going overboard, but great season from both. I ended up picking Zion, some guys that I think deserve some recognition that were uh, some of my cuts. I, I already listed Zion, Randall, and LeBron, Jason Tatum as well. Not Zion, uh, Randall, LeBron, Jason Tatum. Uh, DeMar DeRozan had a good year, but wasn't quite there. Uh, uh, Jalen Brown, too, I thought was one of those guys that uh, deserved mention amongst the top. You know, obviously was a cut. He wasn't quite on that tier as LeBron, Randall, and Tatum. Uh, Kevin Durant would have surely made it if he played more. I mean, uh, I was debating about throwing him in right now, but with under half the season played, you know, if I kick, if I boot out LeBron for that, Kevin Durant had to go too. But he was insanely good for uh, the t- amount that he played. So again, recap my All NBA ballot forwards first team was Giannis and Joel Embiid, the pseudo forward Joel Embiid. Second team Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard. Third team Paul George, Zion Williamson, and finally my All NBA centers. Well, the the way the centers went uh, is the actual voting of the awards. Number one on the first team was Jokic, which is obvious considering he's the MVP. Uh, Number two was Embiid, which, again, I had him on my second team because— or I had him on my first team because uh, I'm trying to get the best players on the best teams. And thirdly was Rudy Gobert, and I had a very similar— I was very similar to those three right there essentially I had Jokic on my first team. Uh, I had to go Bear on my second team. Again, I had Joel Embiid on my second team as our uh, first team as a, a forward because I can for some stupid reason. And on my third team I had Bam Adebayo. Honestly, I feel like that's the least controversial thing I've said. Yeah, it's really not that hard. I thought the only guys that you could really make a claim for are like Anthony Davis, but he like he missed so much time that he's even ineligible. Um, Carlton Towns, but again, more missed time uh, and not quite at that standard. Bam was had a better season, in my opinion. Uh, even Clint Capella—that's that was the one that was—you know—if it wasn't for Bam, if Bam was a, f- actually, even if he was a forward, he, he's not. good it, Whatever it's Clint, Clint's, Clint had a great season. I just leave it at that. Clint actually had a fantastic season. Um, mentioned him in uh, an award later, um, and. Yeah, I think that's it. Jonas Valanciunas, I should say Jonas. He had, uh, he had actually a really, really, really good season. Uh, very underrated. But that's it. Bam Adebayo is the third team. Uh, pretty easy choice there for me. And I'm looking at the time frame right now. I think I'm just gonna get through the all defensive teams and then make all the other wards a second episode. A pretty that one should be pretty short. Like, I mean, knowing me, it's gonna be like six and a half hours long because I just talk to myself in my room alone about basketball for what feels like days on end and uh you know i can't ask for anything more this this is this is the the ideal life this is perfect but yeah i think i'm just gonna get through the all defensive teams and then probably wrap up this episode of the pod uh the defensive teams is usually where a lot of they they lose me they lose me uh and this year, there's some unaligned uh, thoughts I have with it. Uh, again, I'm going to go through the guards, then forwards, then centers, uh, all in order. So the all-defensive first-team guards were Drew Holiday and Ben Simmons, and the second-team guards were Jimmy Butler and Matisse Thibel. I it was similar. I had three. Actually, I, all four of those guys were on my team. But I listed Matisse as a forward because he primarily plays as a forward. Um, ben Simmons was on my first team. Yeah, you know, that was uh, that was a given. Other guy on my first team was Jimmy Butler, who I talked about before. I mean, he's just an absolute pit bull on the defensive end. Uh, probably the best point of attack defender in the league this year. Always one of the best premier defenders. Uh, great in isolation, you know, fights through screens, always consistently one of the best defenders. I thought this might have been his best defensive season of his career, uh, so much so that I had him on the all defensive first team. On my second team, I had Drew Holiday, who was ended up being a first team nod. Uh, Drew's always a mainstay in these, you know, every uh, perimeter scorer always credits him to being one of the best defenders in the league, best perimeter defenders, and for good avail. I mean, they're not just talking out their ass. It's it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty accurate that he's obviously one of the best defenders in the league on the perimeter. The the guy that I had on, uh, the last guy I had filling out my guard spot, and it was actually a hard choice. There was a lot of guys that I thought were really, really good uh, defensive guards this season. Uh, I ended up closing out with a guy who's I just think is the best defensive guard in the league time and time again, and that's Marcus Smart. You know, it might not have been uh, that impressive of a defensive season for the Celtics altogether. That's the thing that's holding him back. Uh, their team defense wasn't all that great. But uh, I thought he, again, was was proven that he's one of the best defenders in the league this year. Uh, some all-defensive snubs I have on the guard spot. Uh, first was a Lou Dort you know, as someone who watches almost all the OKC games, uh, watching Lou Dort's development this year has really, really been something. I mean, he's last, you know, you saw him in, uh, in the playoffs. I'm not even just talking about defensively too, but last year I saw him in the playoffs, he guarded Harden, fantastic. Uh, he definitely progressed a lot offensively this year, but defense is still the thing. You know, he's still a guy that's just so strong for his size. Just fights through screens so hard. And again, he's one of those guys that just chases his matchup uh, until they get to the basket, until the possession's over. He does not quit. He's just an insane hustle player. Uh, going to see him get better next year. You know, it's only his second year. He's definitely going to get improved. He had a great season. Alex Caruso, I think, deserves to mention. Uh, kind of great under-the-radar season. Um, the guy that I wanted to put on this team really really badly but uh just couldn't put on there uh teacher mcconnell i mean the, the guy is just like a gnat he's just a gnat you just he just pisses every player off you could tell that they hate being guarded by him because he's just in their face he's <laughs> there's like a, a long-running joke on twitter that he's got the most steals and the opposite end of the court because he just picks off these inbound passes like once a game Now top five in the league and steals all that stuff uh He's barely above six feet, and he's just a straight pest on the defensive end. Uh, you, that's the guy you want on your team defensively. He's just a fantastic defender. The Anthony Melton is always a great defender. This was probably his best defensive year on um, the Grizzlies. Uh, I want to give a nod to R.J. Barrett, who is on the third-best defensive team in the league in the uh, or the fourth-best defensive league, team in the league, the New York Knicks. Uh, I'm going to spoil it. I didn't have anyone on their team. Uh, make the all defensive team as well as another elite defensive uh, another elite defensive team actually the best defensive team in the league this year the Knicks and the Lakers neither of them I know I, I think both of them, I credit their team defense. It's there's, they have a lot of good defenders, actually some great defenders. Caruso was great this year. Colba Pope was great this year. Uh, Obviously when they played, LeBron was really good defensively this year. Anthony Davis was fantastic defensively this year. Even Montrose Harrell took a big step up defensively. He's was much improved from last year on the Clippers. Uh, Both those teams have great defenders and the, uh, uh, Knicks, I should mention, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, uh, Nurless Noel had a really, really good defensive season, Reggie Bullock, uh, Alec Burks w- it was solid, uh, obviously Alfred Payton is their starting guard who gets a lot of flack. Taj Gibson held it down in in the minutes, you know, even with who was presumed to be their starting center, Mitchell Robinson, out for most of the season. Nurelis Noel and Taj Gibson held it down in the center position. Uh both great. I think that's attributed more to their coaching rather than their uh, individual talent. Both played great, great, great team defense. So RJ Baird didn't get it. And the last guard I wanted to mention was Fred Van Vliet. Him, too, was his best defensive season of his career. Uh, improved all around, but I think defensively was where we saw the most improvements from him. Solid year from him. Uh, my forwards. I should say the actual forwards and the actual forwards who were voted on were Yannis Antetokounmpo, Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard, and Bam Adebayo. And you can see Bam Adebayo was, I had him as a center for my All-NBA teams, but he's eligible as a forward as well. Um, Essentially the exact same here, except for Kawhi Leonard, just because my first team is identical, Giannis and Draymond Green. Uh, you know, both those guys. I think Giannis actually had a very, very underrated defensive year, still amongst the, the, the one of the best defenders in the league, the best help defender in the league. And Draymond Green is just an absolute savant on the defensive end, does everything. This year, the Warriors, we wouldn't even know that they were a top-five defense, but so much of that is a tribute to Draymond and what he does on that end, just... You know, straight hustle guy, can guard all five, talks, the the best communicative uh, defender in the entire NBA, bar none. You know, he's going to make a fantastic—I'm jealous of whichever team is going to allow him to coach when he retires, if not taking up a spot on television. Either one, he's going to make—his career is going to expand so much further than— uh, him playing, just because he's w- really one of the most intelligent minds in the NBA. And defensively, he's, he's one of the best defenders of this generation. He had a bounce back year. He's on my all-defensive first team, as well as Giannis. I also had Bam on my second team. Uh, and I did not have Kawhi. I had a Matisse-Thibel. I think Kawhi is getting uh, like a legacy vote a lot. I mean, this is the second year in a row. Where I don't th- really think, actually, third year because he made it with the Raptors la- the year before. This is the third year in a row where I don't really think he's uh, that quite that good as as an all defensive team guy. I mean, he's I think the tier below, but he's not really in that exact tier as a uh, top five, top top four defender in his position in the NBA right now. Um, I had Matisse Thybulle, and he ended up making it. I know as a forward rather than a guard. So essentially, the only difference between the forwards and the guards on my teams is, other than the swaps, is I have uh, I have Marcus Smart instead of Kawhi Leonard, essentially. That's the only like, swap, just because Matisse is listed as a forward. I listed, uh, He's listed as a guard. I haven't listed as a forward. He's eligible for both. That's the only real difference in, between mine and the actual uh, ballots. And Drew Holiday, Jimmy Butler's swap. I'm I'm pretty much in line. Bam had a fantastic season. Again, one of those guys that could guard. Uh, could, is one of the best switch centers in the league. Could defend the rim. Fantastic rim defender. Uh, could, could close down the perimeter. Like I said, he, he could switch. Can guard the nail. Can uh, uh, guard the post. Pretty much anything you need from a big. He's that. He's he's the kind of that next level. That next generation of the Swiss Army knife big man defender, you know, kind of taking the reins from Draymond. Draymond's not giving them up yet. Obviously, he's had he's all uh, defensive first team and a defensive player of the year finalist this year. He's not giving up that spot. But Bam Adebayo is in that class of the Swiss Army knife big men who who could try to guard all five. I don't think Bam's really as tight on forwards or on guards as Draymond is, but I think Bam's a better rim protector. But Draymond, ultimately, is still supreme in that category. Man, I'm had a great year. Matisse Dibble had a fantastic year. Uh, you know, this guy's barely playing above 20 minutes per game and got d- voted to an all-defensive team. That's just how otherworldly of a defensive talent he is. Uh, I think he. I think Matisse Dibble has the ability to be the best perimeter defender in the league and just be one of those generational guys, one of the guys that... You, you Think about in years to come, you know, didn't that that wasn't ever like an all star? It's hard to perceive him to be an all star an all NBA guy just because of his offensive limitability, limit limitability. But defensively, you know, he could end up being like a like a Ron Artest or a Bruce Bowen or like a Raja Bell, you know, in that class of just insanely good perimeter defenders that. Are on great teams, you know. Maybe someday a championship team that were j- just stoppers. They they got in the game to stop to guard the best guy and to stop them. He was it for me. He closed out my uh, second team. Uh, just some honorable mentions I have: uh, Ogn and Obi. I, th- in my opinion, the best one-on-one defender in the NBA. Uh, he didn't make it. He it was most it was because of uh missed time. He missed a big portion of the season. I was like I did have Kawhi Leonard as an honorable mention, but towards the lower end. I had some other guys ahead of him like Mikhail Bridges. Again, just continues to get better. Uh it just hit the arm arms that are longer than uh my average podcast episode, which says a lot. Uh he, it's he's just so good at picking off the passing lane. He's so smart. He's a very good help defender. He could close on the perimeter really hard. He could uh, switch, obviously, onto bigger defenders. You know, he's not quite as strong to guard these bigger guys, the bigger, stronger forwards. Uh, not even the. He could guard the bigger, stronger forwards, but the switches onto the bigger centers and stuff. He's not quite that strong, but he's very long. And as a help defender, you know, he could protect the rim. He had a great season. Royce O'Neill is always in this category. Uh, he's a great defender. Jazz are one of the best defensive teams in the league yet again. Big part is Royce is versatility on the defensive end. Uh, he could guard the perimeter. He guards bigs mostly. He's their starting power forward, whatever position that is anymore. Uh, he's their starting, starting big for them. Has to guard a lot of bigs. Switches on to them, especially when Derek Favors gets on the court. Uh, Royce O'Neal was fantastic this year on the defensive end. Paul George as well. He's always up here. Uh, I thought it was a bit of a down year for him defensively. You know, his thing is he's always so good at fighting through screens and uh, staying on his uh, his opponent, his, his man. He's still been doing that uh, to a lesser level. The Clippers haven't been as good defensively this year. But Paul George and Kawhi are still up there. And lastly, Robert Covington. Who is again a Swiss Army knife on defense? You know, could block top five in steals, protect the rim, has to guard bigs. Is strong, cuts off the passing lane, could guard, uh, could switch. You know, he, you don't really want him guarding man to man, but really, really, one of the best help defenders in the league, one of the best team defenders in the league. He was an honorable mention, but didn't make. I, it just you know, the team, the team's defense hurts just because that team was second to last in the league in defense. It's just hard to name a guy to an all defensive team with a team that bad. Uh, lastly, I had, and yeah, to close out the all defensive teams, I have my centers, and what ended up being the all defensive centers, uh, were Joe Embiid, or sorry, were Rudy Gobert on first team, Joel Embiid on second, and I ended up matching that. Uh, Rudy Gobert was an easy pick. You know, I talked about him before. I mean, I had him in top five in MVP. He was far and away for me easily the Defensive Player of the Year. I'll get to that in the next episode. But easily the Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, it's he, he was he was number one for me. Not even not that was the easiest choice of any of the uh, All NBA team stuff. All Defensive Team. Excuse me. Uh, the second team was hard. It was between three guys, and I ended up giving it to Joel Embiid. It was between Miles Turner, Clint Capella, and Joel Embiid, and I thought this race was insanely tight. Uh, first one I, I ended up cutting was Miles Turner, and uh, it's for two reasons, really. I think Miles Turner out of these guys is the best rim protector out of the three. I mean, the blocks speak them for themselves. The he has the best opponent field goal percentage at the rim of the three by a decent margin. You know, just fantastic at blocking the rim. Uh, is mobile and you can switch on to people, on the smaller guys. Uh, could guard the pick and roll well. I mean, he's he's the reason why Sabonis has to has to play power forward. Sabonis is supposed to be a big, but cannot protect the rim for his life. Miles Turner is that guy that one of the best rim protectors in the NBA. Uh, could shoot his, his shooting. He's just the guy that you. I I cannot I, I cannot wait to see anything. Well, it's not going to happen. But I there's nothing I want to see more in the NBA than to see Miles Turner and Zion Williamson play alongside each other. It's just a dream of mine because I think it's the most perfect fit in that Zion could have. I. I everything about Miles Turner's basketball play I really really enjoy two things that hurt him one the injury obviously it's uh the, the defense is or uh sorry the game's played is it's been a consistent uh demerit for so many guys on these awards uh I criticized so many before and Miles Turner isn't uh He's not exempt from this criticism. you know, he missed a lot of time. That hurts him. Secondly is the rebounding. You know, it, they say that every all defense ends in rebounds. And quite frankly, Miles Turner is one of the worst We're, he he's on the lower end of defensive rebounders on the center position, especially among starters, you know that's never been a strong suit doesn't really box out too well uh is light so he gets pushed around but defensive uh defensive rebounding is not a strong suit and quite frankly that matters a lot for for defense it's that that you know that matters because it's part of (laughs) defense i'm trying to i'm really just it's like i'm talking to a child D- defensive rebounding counts for defense. Let's just leave it at that. It's pretty obvious. I don't need to explain that. I don't need like like you guys, you listeners are five years old. It's it's obvious that that's the case, and he's not very good at it. But other than that, a fantastic defender. I wanted him to be on this team, and I, he's I like Miles Turner a lot. I am second on my MVP va- or on my <laughs> on my defensive player of the year ballot two years ago. I do think he's a fantastic defender, but his criticisms have to be brought to light. I just think he's a little bit worse than these other two guys. And then it was between Joel Embiid and Clint Capella. Clint Capella uh, had a surprisingly great year. You know, I didn't think that he was capable of being this good in Atlanta, but him and Trey are, it's, he's, Clint Capella's just been blessed to to be with, uh, to play alongside two of the best pick and roll guards in the league throughout his career with, James harden first and now trey young well Trey young turned into this fantastic pick and roll guard yeah that that play seems almost unstoppable especially in the playoffs as you guys have noticed it's uh Claappel has, has improved on both sides of the floor but defensively you know is he's, he's been great defending the rim he's big he's strong he defend the post you know he's more of a, of a vertical type of big uh he's number one in the rebounding in the league this year. By a good margin. The best defensive rebounder league. Closes out those possessions. Finishes the possessions with a rebound. Which is huge. Uh, great protecting the rim, I said. He could guard the post. He's very vertical. So he could jump high. Grab boards and get blocks. That's his strong suit. But ultimately, I ended up choosing Joel Embiid. Because... The numbers do tell a story. But also, the eye test. The film tells a big story too. And the film shows that Joel Embiid has a presence on as a center much like Rudy Gobert that a lot of the times the blocks don't even it's not even about the blocks it's just the amount of of attempts at the rim just depletes when Joel Embiid's on the floor much like Rudy Gobert just because his presence as a big is so scary to to smaller players that they don't even attempt their shots there uh That's big for him. That's, you know, obviously huge for the uh, Sixers. And this makes the Sixers have three players on both my ballot and the actual uh, all-defensive teams. And I think deservedly so. I mean, even Danny Green was great defensively this year. Tobias Harris had a good season. Uh, But Joel Embiid, Matisse Dibal, and Ben Simmons, I think, were amongst the top 10 defenders in uh, the league this year. And I think all three all yeah, all three of them deserve to make these teams. Oh, an hour in, I didn't even get to talk about all the award, the other awards, such as, you know, defensive player, most improved, six man, coach of the year, rookie of the year, and all the rookie teams. Um it doesn't make sense to elongate this episode. No one wants to listen to me talk for two an hour and a half, an hour forty five minutes or whatever. I'm gonna cut this one here, Rec- probably record another one in the coming days. Who knows with me? I mean, my schedule's so wonky with this. I'm just glad to record another episode. It feels good to finally get back on the mic, uh, take these long breaks. Just, It's just a lack of, you know, uh, drive with it. Sometimes it's just hard to find uh, the effort to to record one of these podcasts alone. Going to try to get guests soon. Big goal of mine is to try to get other voices. No one wants to, no, uh, trust me, no one wants to hear me talk uh, by myself for however many episodes I make this podcast, that'll change soon. But once again, thank you, everyone who listens, anyone who's gotten to this point. Appreciate it greatly. New episode, and I say that every time, coming soon. But this one, I promise, I have some unfinished business with all my MB, uh, awards. I'll be back soon. Thanks for listening. See you soon.